I always enjoy, uh, I guess, observing people. I, I've always, you know, you try to figure out, do I know that person? You know, it was really embarrassing. They come up, hi, Gary, oh, oh yeah. And I was one of those guys that I was his coach at a, supposed to be his coach at a church planner's boot camp in Pennsylvania. They, all, they paid for my way, Carrie and I went, and there's this guy that, he was ready to leave the place. He was just, you know, a little nervous about the whole thing. And maybe, maybe we helped encourage him. Just stay with it. You know, you need to be who you are. I think, I think he was thinking, I'm just not, I'm not sure if I'm cut out for this, you know, this mold, whatever. So I got to see him, and uh, wow, I said, uh, I said, I said, I noticed you're limping, you know, you know what's going on? And it's, well, he said, the back is like, got a pinched sciatic nerve and down the leg up the arm, and you know, he's got issues. And he said, I can't even play the guitar anymore, you know. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then I went on to think about my little problem. I said, yeah, I got a little pain in the heel. I don't know what it is. Plant or stuff. It may be something else. It may be just because you're 62, you know, six, going to be 60. Things happen. Life goes on. Stuff doesn't last forever in this old world. I mean, we know that, right? We, we realize this. The newness wears off. The youth love young people. That guy, that Nathan, that bass player, he was like, his old folks were ready to go, go back to the room, you know, go to the motel. Well, Nathan's standing watching the volleyball. Pretty soon he's in the volleyball, and now we're watching Nathan. Wow, he's, he gets into it. He's good. And uh, I see him score some points, or save some points too, and it was just good. And I thought back, man, remember when I used to play volleyball and thought, well, that's okay, I can watch. I mean, you know, maybe I could do it, but this leg of mine just healed. Stuff is good. Life is good, right? Life is good. And uh, as we visited with some of the folks, um, I think it was Charles Swindoll who said something like, life is 98% attitude. 2% life. So you take what comes, right? You sometimes don't understand. And obviously in our community, there's a lot of people who are not understanding why Two young ladies are snatched away. We, we can't answer that question. But we have to 
try to comfort, stand with them, weep with those who weep. You don't have to have the answers. Sometimes people are just wondering if you care, right? They just want to know if you care. They don't, they don't, they don't expect you to, you know, they realize this is difficult. Everybody just feels, uh, you know, lost for words, lost for words. And sometimes we're better off to say nothing, right, than to say something that would kind of be awkward and, right, wouldn't be good. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, Jeremiah is our text. I'm going to use 17th chapter a little bit, and I'm going to. I, I got to thinking because someone had sent me. I had, somebody had owed me a little money for firewood, and they sent me a little check. They sent me a check or whatever it was, but on the letter, it said, "In God we trust." Well, I don't know. Is it on every bill? That's is it on every dollar? Or does it say in Him we trust? Check it out. I, I think there's something on our monetary. Something in Him we, in God we trust. Okay, in God we trust. Now, uh, growing up in. My my time and uh, that was everyone understood who who the God was that you were referring to, right? The only true God. Now today in our culture, things have changed. So some people might say in God we trust, but they're thinking about some other God. So we're just kind of like, aren't we in some interesting times? And we need the wisdom of the Lord, but let us focus today on this one truth. In God we trust. And we know who we're, the God we're referring to is the great I am, the, the creator God, the God that, that comes to live within you and I through, through the Holy Spirit who has purchased our salvation made a way for us to enter heaven. And this is the setting, as I've read through Jeremiah from time to time, all of a sudden these verses started hopping out at me because this is really a good lesson for me to understand there's not a whole lot of stuff in this world that you can really trust. There's really nothing for sure in this world. There's really no one person that you can necessarily totally you wonder, you know, time. Listen, trust is earned, isn't it? What do you mean by that? Well, trust is until it is if you, if you if someone has broken their trust with you you know you lost your trust it's going to take a while for things to get back right so a trust is something that has to be it, it's deserved it, it's it's obviously not going to just there's not going to be trust if someone says one thing and does another 
obviously, right? It's not what they say, it's how they live. How they act and live and walk in this life. So Jeremiah, just a little bit about him. He was called by God, uh, the scripture says in the first chapter, before you were born, I knew you, right? And called you. That's pretty, that's pretty heavy, I guess. Well, this man was called to proclaim uh, a hard message. Why was it hard? Because the children of Israel at the time were stubborn and rebellious and could probably not listen to you, Jeremiah, where you were speaking, why don't you go away? You're annoying us. We want to live our life the way we want to live it. In fact, we are so tired of you, why don't we just throw you in that mud pit down over there? And then the cistern, and they lowered him down. And you know that story. He practically died. He would have died if they had not arrested him. That was just one of the things. On and on and on. He's known as the weeping prophet, probably because his heart was broken over the, like God himself, was broken over the condition of the people. Yet he continued to be faithful, to proclaim what God had called him to do, and that was to speak on God's behalf. Jeremiah was a prophet. That means he basically spoke for God. He was an instrument in the hands of God. Kept on preaching while the people were, were ridiculing him, and kind of like Noah, kind of like Noah in his day, kind of like in Isaiah, all, a lot of the other prophets. I just started, I just started reading in Hosea, and, you know, Hosea was also another man to proclaim to a nation that was rebellious and stubborn. So what are, what are we seeing in our culture? We, we see, we see we've always had rebellion. There's always been stuff going on. But let us be found faithful because we know that if God has called us to keep the faith, stand for the truth, that you... Are doing that which God has called you to do. So our verses, chapter 17 of Jeremiah, are going to be verse 7 through about 10. And then we're going to call this in God we trust. So it starts out at verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts the Lord. We know the word blessed has to do with happy. Joyful. Blessed. It's very similar to the Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who doesn't stand in the path of sinners, sit in the seat of stuff. But this, this is we're focusing on. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And I want you to notice whose trust is the Lord. I want you to just think about that. Who's, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose trust is the Lord. And I think about this. In other words, I'm only able to trust the Lord because of the Lord. I can trust the Lord because he is enabled. He has, in fact, put it in my heart. He is connected with you and I in such a way. There's a lot of things in the world that are not uh, trustworthy. No mention any 
any vehicle, any, uh, you know, afraid I might step on some tools. But, uh, you know, you heard of the fix and repair daily. Or the shove it, shove it or leave it, right? Right? You know, those are just fun things to throw around. But the truth of the matter is, that's not, that's not so serious. But when it comes to relationships and family life and community life in the workplace, there where you get more, more serious. So what we want to bring into our community is the fact is that we are walking with one whom we can trust. Therefore, if we are trusting in the one whom we know is trustworthy, then we ought to be trying to get to a place where we too are, are going to be trustworthy because of whom we serve. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and the Lord is his, the, the, whose trust is the Lord. And so it, it, I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way, but the reason I can trust him is because I know him to a degree. I, I'm, I have a long ways to go, but I know to a degree that he never changes. His word is going to last forever, and we're going to, we're going to be able to build our life on the word because it is likened to the rock for the foundation, that fact, as we get further into the text, he talks to verse 8 about a tree. Can you just get this picture? A tree that is planted by water in a dry place. Okay? The water is there, is an extra, it's absolutely uh, a blessing. This root system is extended, verse 8 says, extends its roots by a stream. Have you ever been on a riverbed or a stream and you actually saw roots that were exposed partially and then the roots went down into the water? It's okay. And the water was there and the root system was working. Everything on top and around was dry. And we experienced drought last summer to a degree. But look at the verse. It stands its roots by a stream. And will not fear when the heat comes. Friends, we live in Minnesota. And we know the heat will come. Right? Some people love heat. Some people, mm, not so well. Most people like it around 65, 70. Most guys like to sleep in 50 to 60, 70, maybe is a little. It's just a matter of conditioning yourself. And folks that have learned to live at 100 plus degrees, unbelievable. You see them wearing big hats. They've adapted. Or they know when they quit and take a siesta. Right? During the mid-hot heat of the day. 
So the heat will come. And really now, this is a drought or an intense time has to do with it's not good for the crop. It's not good for a livelihood. It's not good for the farmers. It's not good for the, the table. Listen, we go through times where the heat comes in, in our lives. We will go through times where we are, we're tested. We're in a way wondering why God. And so, it really leads me to the first point. Why can we trust in God? Why should we trust in God? Well, my answer in part would be because he is trustworthy. Because he is who he said he is. Because he said he's coming back. And a lot of folks, as we read in Scripture, even in the times of the days of the scripture and the disciples were on the earth and then they went on to the uh, being led by the Holy Spirit to preach the word they learned that God did show up when they proclaimed the things of God that God actually showed up and healed people with extraordinary miracles happened things were happening people were raised from the dead even then the lame person began to walk and leap That'll build your faith. That'll build your trust. And so if God was with you back then, we hear about, you know, and maybe some of you lived during the Great Depression. That was a difficult time. It was a drought. There was, there was hard times. The banks failed. and I, mean, I just hear about these things. Look, look, what, look what the Lord did. Trusting in the Lord is more than just a, a fancy title or a statement. It's where you, if we don't trust in the Lord, we're not going to make it. We start to rely on self. If I start to rely on, if I start to look at things in my own strength, I'm destined for, for failure. See, a good day in God's kingdom is when his people, though they may have struggled through the heat, they may have struggled through the, the fire, so to speak, but they looked up to him. That's a good day in the kingdom. They looked to God, but God was looking to see their response in their heart. Are they going to look to me, or are they going to look to the things of the world? Are they going to turn from me? And so, as the nation of Israel was in problem and situation, and see, we see this in Scripture. When the nation sinned, when the nation specifically Israel sinned, oftentimes God would allow drought, famine, Enemies to come in because of their sin. They reaped what they sowed. And so Jeremiah is like, guys, will you turn your heart back 
Will you look to the Lord again? Will you trust him? You realize you are, you have what you have because of God. In God, there is hope. In God, there is provision. In God, there is a future. In God, there is hope when people are struggling with all kinds of emotion and all kinds of hurt and pain. And so we read on, the heart is more deceitful than all else. Verse 9 of the text, Jeremiah 17, is desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's really a verse, isn't it? The heart is more deceitful. And in Proverbs it says, watch over your heart. Watch over your heart. You would not be deceived. Who can understand it? You know, the one who can really understand it is Jesus. Right? And the good news is that even though we don't know how to sometimes communicate, we have a, sometimes we, do, we don't even know what to say. And some people have no doubt that recent days have been so broken, they don't know what to say. But Jesus knows that heart. And Jesus comes to those people when they open their heart to him. We have a problem that this started all from the Garden of Eden. As we know the story of Adam and Eve. And we know the story that Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. And he brought sin and he tempted Adam and Eve. And they fell into it. And their hearts became sick. Their heart. Their sin separates us from God. But Jesus Christ has come to give us a new heart. Amen? He's come to give us a new beginning. He's come to take that old man that lives in you and I and give you a new nature to help you walk in that place where he's called you, where he's designed. Some of us are still uh, trying to figure out what, what are we called to do in this life, right? Some of us just, it's okay, it's day by day. Well, some of us have got through things, the seasons of life, and you're past a few things. Now what, Lord? Now what do I do? You start to think, well, I can't do so much anymore. But you have a heart toward the Lord. God can still use your heart to intercede and to love people and to reach out. And that's why we can trust him, because he has plans for us. He's not finished with you and I. He says, I will be with you to the end. In Hebrews, we read these verses Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, it really is what it's saying is we can trust him. The folks that trusted him hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, is the same God. He's the God the father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we read that in the Old Testament. 
It's, it's almost like the same God that they serve. That's the God I want. Maybe you can think back when you were in a moment in your life and God did something that opened your eyes and you thought, this is it. This is the breakthrough. This is what I needed to hear. Thank you, Jesus, whose trust is in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. If, there's, if we can't trust the Lord, there's no one else. Right? If we can't, the good news is we, we can. He is proven. He is the one who will show up as, a, as he said to us. Call upon him and I will answer you. Jeremiah said in another place, call upon the Lord. Isn't it interesting over history when man gets in trouble, right? When you really get down to the, the nitty-gritty, that man calls, oftentimes calls, and the Lord is merciful. The Lord is merciful. I had a brother who served in the Vietnam era, and he he you know, he was a medic. He, he had to try to rescue people, help people that were bleeding. And I remember him telling me a story where he was shaking so bad. He was so, it was, the war was intense. But he began to pray, he said. He began to pray in the spirit. And he said he was able to be calm. He was able. Another time he had been working on a uh, one of the, uh, I think it was like a sergeant. He had been wounded. And that sergeant grabbed him and pulled him down. He said, don't move. You're right on a minefield. So it was, you talk about conditions. We had to trust in the Lord. And none of us can say that we've had it so bad that we suffered like Jesus. I know there's a lot of suffering. As we think about Easter coming, we think about the cross. We think about the suffering. We think about the accusation. We think about, as the Bible says, he who knew no sin, perfect, sinless Lamb of God. It says he became sin. That we might know the righteousness of God. He took the sin on himself. He becomes like the scapegoat, as they used in Old Testament priest service to symbolize sending the sins out. He was marred, he was beaten beyond recognition. And there even was a moment when he was on the cross 
he utters the words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He felt the emptiness. But the Bible says the last enemy is death. And Jesus conquered it. Jesus overcame death. Thus, we too can look forward to the resurrection of our own bodies if the Lord tarries. The good news is we get to go with the Lord if we should be snapped with the Lord. How he's going to do it, bring the bodies out of the grave. That's because Jesus conquered death. Why should I trust him? Because he gave it all for me. He did what I couldn't do. We used to sing that little chorus. I owed a debt. I couldn't pay. He paid a debt. He didn't know. Even when I was wallowing in my sin, Romans says, basically, while you were yet sinners, God initiates the act. Why should I trust him? Maybe I should say, why shouldn't I trust him? There's no reason I shouldn't trust him. Secondly, when should I trust him? Is when the heat comes. It's easy to trust God when things are going pretty well, you know, we just trust God. Thank you, Jesus. This is the day. This is the day. Right? That the Lord hath made. And it's good to have the practice of praising God when things are going pretty good. But when the heat comes, then some of you have had a week, like maybe a, a week or a month or a month series of, of days where you could use a little encouragement. Right? You need a little refreshing. You need to understand that God is is going to be with you. And, you, and, and here's, the, here's another way to look at this whole tree thing that we read about. The roots is underneath. You don't always see the, you know, you ever tipped over a big tree is the mass of roots. Well, there's a reason for that. Partially so that it gets nutrients and water from the ground I think some, the other thing is that it holds it secure. Have you ever seen trees that sway and they bend and it's unbelievable? They come back and then you see other trees. And then all, you know, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a, I just make these observations. Why did that tree stand and the other didn't? And my question is, is my root system where it needs to be? Am I taking in the stream really represents God and his word, and the Holy Spirit, the, the whole idea that Jesus talked about vine, and he's the vine dresser. 
You know, sometimes farmers understand the only way the roots can go deeper is that, you know, they observe this alfalfa has a deep root. Alfalfa is one of the last things that I've observed, one of the last things that dry up in the hay because it has a deep root. And so when the heat comes, that root is getting deeper, searching for the moisture. And so Jesus said something when he was talking to the folks about a story. The seed went out, he, the, you know, the sower went out to sow the seed, and some seed fell, and it come up quickly, but the worries and the cares of this world choked it out, choked it out. So the root system was shallow. And so really, in the, there's a need for everyone that comes to Jesus to be discipled, to, be, to grow in the things of God so they learn how to take care of their heart so that they can stand firm in the storms or the drought. We had an instructor in in uh, college, and he grew up on the farm, and you know he he was very wise. He taught Old Testament; that was his that was his assignment. And he would have sayings like "cream always rises to the top." That's a farmer's quote. Then he say, "Oak trees don't grow overnight." Oh, I was a yeah yeah yeah. Vernon uh, and I were talking about how slow some trees grow. I don't know which tree was it, the ironwood or the, um, I don't know, some tree planted years ago, and it's just like, dude, it's only... Stuff takes time. In our life, we will have periods... Well, we feel a spurt, a growth. We get to the mountain. We're on fire. We're going to make it. Nothing stands. And then there's days where you think, oh, I don't feel like I'm on the mountain. In fact, I feel like I'm in the valley. In fact, I feel like I'm in a hole in the valley. Right? Come on. Every days when the heat comes, when you get bad news, when you, you don't know what to say, but say, oh my goodness. All you can say, oh no. Oh. Will I trust him? Sure, I'll trust him. Because he will see us through. Jesus comes through and he, he left for heaven, left the disciples. He said, I'm going to give you a helper. In fact, it's better off that you go, uh, that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper won't come. The, hope, the helper is the Holy Spirit. And so he speaks into their lives. But don't, they were afraid. They were trembling. They were discouraged. Listen, friends. 
is going to be with us all the while. My last point was who can trust him, and we know the answer to that. Who can anyone who believes on him? Whosoever can believe him, we know that's a, a theme verse from one of the most quoted verses in the whole Bible, John 3.16. Whosoever, for God so loved the world, whosoever, whosoever believeth in him. It doesn't matter who it is, it's just a person. Your neighbor can trust in God, but they're not trusting. Maybe you're helping your neighbor bring their faith up another level. You're encouraged, you're watering, you're, you're encouraging. You've got folks in your family that you say, well, I don't know, God, this doesn't look good. You talk to God about it. He has the answer. If you don't get the answer, you say, I trust you. No matter if it's, things aren't happening, I still trust you. I'm going to trust, I'm going to believe for their, for their salvation. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to ask God for their hearts. And so whosoever is not willing that any should perish, we all, we've all heard these verses. And then I looked at Revelation 19.5, it says, And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God and all you his bondservants, you who fear him, to, small and, to the small and the great. Well, hey, somewhere in there you fit. Huh? Somewhere there, it, it's... There's a whole lot of people that are smarter than I. All right? There's always someone that has something that we can learn from. But I know this. Even when I don't know the answer, I know the one, or I want to know the one who does. And I want to point people to the one who does know the answer. Because... We're not the Savior. We're not the one that can, we're not the one that can be there 24-7. Grandparents, right? You're praying for your grandkids. Moms and dads, you're praying for your kids. And you know, it, it's all a season. You're part of God's plan to bring people into the kingdom. The family unit is part of God's, it's, it's his institution, it's his method of bringing people into the kingdom, relationally. 